0: Welcome to Vintage Burn, this is Kev, Marco, and Doug. And tonight we're doing a movie review, 1995's Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Demon
1: Knight with a K, so Demon and Knight, which, it took me a few times watching the movie back in the day to realize, like, oh, okay, I see what they did there. Um, so... Clocking in on the IMDB scale at 6.7, which uh, for, a, uh, don't want to call it slapstick, but you know, comedic horror, especially for the 90s, uh, I think that's pretty damn good. Uh, Running 132 minutes, uh, budget was 13 million, box office made about 21, so it almost doubled its money, not quite, but it was still, and it's another one, just like Brain Dead, kind of has become a a cult classic over the years, you know, especially, um, you know, on the ass end of like the tales from the crypt kind of, um, you know, TV show. So, uh, starring Billy Zane, who besides Kurt Russell, is probably my other man crush, I must say. Huh, interesting. Uh, he was also in tombstone. There's actually two actors in tombstone in this Marco. Do you know who the other one is? Uh, no, it's, um, the hell's his name uh thomas hayden church he was you know the dude from like wings remember the sitcom wings oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he, 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 he played one of the cowboys yeah roach um so you got Will, william sadler who has been in fucking everything uh yeah he the man dude he's the man he he is and uh, just up until recent like i love how we, he, even now like uh VFW, kev he was in that one right i still haven't seen it but That's i know you he, talked about yep. it
0: yes he was
1: um and and it's funny if you look at his, you know, career. It goes from B horror to you know prestigious roles and everything in between. Uh, then you have John Casser as um, a crib keeper, uh, Jada pickett Nipples. Oop, I mean Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just a wife beater. I don't know. I, I I had a big crush on her as a kid. So uh, as Geraldine, and she's she's been in everything too. She's been, become quite the actor. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, like we said, Roach. Uh, Dick Miller, who has been in everything, too, um, from horror Gremlins. to Remlins. Yep, one and two. The Burbs. Uh, he, he's been in everything. And then Brenda Bach, Um Cornelia. Yeah, and...
2: I, I think it. I think it's
1: Baki. Baki? Yeah, right. I think it's Baki. Whatever. Baki, yeah. Boki, Toki. It's like Take with, I don't know. She's, um,
0: she's been in, uh, you guys might remember her from uh, Demon Knight. <laughs> oh, <come on.
1: laughs> that's
0: that's the uh, truth
1: um she was in LA Confidential and that was not a horror one but that was a great one with um who was it uh Russell Crowe and uh Danny DeVito that's a good one have you ever seen yeah, that one Marco actually,
2: yeah a long time ago that's actually a movie I've been meaning to revisit it's uh, supposed to be really freaking good yeah not I, mean, I really re- remember because it, it came out in the 90s somewhere but
1: it's yeah. it's been a
0: long time no, Kim Basinger, there's... right? Kim Basinger as the female uh, yeah, yeah, lead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep, yeah, she's that's a great movie. Um, all right, and then C.C. Pounder as Irene, who just is. Hold just on, awesome. Doug.
2: Yep. Second fake news. The movie is not 132 <laughs> minutes. First of all, it's an hour and 32 <laughs> minutes, and it's C C H Pounder. Give the lady some respect.
1: C C H. That's what I said. I want to say C H H. Or just C-H? No, said
2: like C-H or c or something. I don't remember. But you, you forgot a letter, though. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, whatever. I just love C-C-H Pounder from like The Wire and... Uh, not The oh. Wire. Jesus. Now I'm getting fake
1: news. The uh, the <laughs> Shield. She was in The Shield. Oh, the, yes. The <laughs> Shield. Yeah, she was great in The Shield.
2: And she was also in Robocop 3, which is the worst of the three. But she was excellent in it because she's an excellent, excellent actress.
1: She is. You can tell. He, um... You know, all the actors I've seen with interviews, you know, they all say she was just like, not the life of the party, but she's had... Is she still alive and packed, talking about her in the past tense? Uh, she's still alive, I think, no, right? I'm pretty
2: sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I never heard of her uh, passing. I don't know if she's a big enough star that she'd make things, but I would think you'd hear that.
1: Yeah, it might be
0: kind of quick and...
1: Yeah, you're right. A lot of them, unless you're big, you don't seem to make, you know, too much of a, the news nowadays, but...
0: CCH Pounder is alive and well.
1: All right. Yeah, she's sixty-eight years old. I was looking it up too. Born on Christmas. Look at that! Hot damn! All right. So directed by um, Ernest Dickerson, who has done a ton of stuff as well. He's been on every show that you can possibly think of as a director, from Walking Dead to some seasons in Dexter, ER, NCIS, and everything in between. Uh, Screenwriters, juice. Huh. Oh, Juice, Juice yeah.
2: With with Tupac Shakur, Bulletproof with Adam Sandler, Surviving the Game with Ice-T. Nice. I actually watched Surviving the Game the other
1: day. Look at that. Yeah, no shit.
0: And uh, (laughs) I I believe because of Ernest Dickerson, uh, Jada Pickett-Smith was the first female African-American heroine in this horror classic. So fuck you, Jordan Peele. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling I was coming. Always gotta bring him down. <laughs> got to bring down the man.
1: <laughs> you can suck a
0: dick. <laughs> anyway, we like some Ernest. Yeah, er, Ernest is good, man. Uh, in, even in the even in the documentary, he he seems like a chill dude.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, Su- super super chill.
2: Yeah. Hey Doug, out, out of curiosity, did you end up seeing the documentary
1: or no? I sure did. Okay, cool, awesome. Yeah, so at least we're we're all on the same page as far as that goes. This is like a first. We're all we're all educated and shit. This one, yeah, it's good. How do you want to? Are you I done know. through the
2: cast or what? What's going? Yeah,
1: on? that's pretty much it for the cast.
2: want to start it out? We got uh, who's rolling out the, uh, the uh, synopsis?
1: Oh, I got it right <laughs> here. There's actually not much of a synopsis. It's uh. <laughs> Hold on.
2: Sorry, guys. Doug got his COVID shot today,
1: and he's a little sluggish. A man, on, a man the
0: on the run is hunted by a demon known as the Collector.
1: Yeah, take it away, Marco. Oh, that's it? That's it. That's all you need to know. Wow. I know...
2: <laughs> didn't even look at the
1: enough. That's crazy. That's oh, the shortest
2: one I've ever heard in my life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's right to the point, but, you know. And once again, if, you, if you've seen the movie, it's like that's all you need to know if and if you haven't seen the movie, it's like, oh, cool. What am I getting myself into? So,
2: yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. The movie starts out with this uh, scene of uh, this beautiful woman in uh, black, black uh, lace undies and bras and stuff, and uh, she's talking to some guy on the phone, and she's like, "Yeah, I took care of him. We're gonna get all this money." And you see blood on the bed and stuff, and uh, and uh, he's like, "Oh." You know, where is he? Oh, he's downstairs. And then it goes downstairs and you see the guy like boiling in uh, or like in lime or something. And uh, he get he ends up getting up and he ends up uh, going up and whatever, like scaring the shit out of her. He's all like he touches the wall, which I this is my favorite part. He touches the wall and then his hand sticks to the wall and his fingers rip off. You guys notice that?
1: Oh, yeah. 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 Great effect. It was cool, man. But anyway,
2: yeah, so she he goes upstairs, she screams and then all of a sudden the crypt keeper comes in with the cut, cut cut, cut And uh, the only reason I'm going to talk about this part, is it kind of is relative to the movie but but it's because John Larroquette from Night Court is in this part. He's playing the guy that's uh, you know coming back from the dead to kill the the person who just killed him.
1: <laughs> that's who it is. I knew I knew I knew the person, the actor, but I couldn't quite peg it Night court, holy shit.
2: Yeah, John Larroquette, man. And he's been in other stuff, but I, I was a big Night Court fan when I was a little kid, so that's where that comes from. And anyway, so the cryptic or, or does his little spiel. He's yelling at the actresses and saying something about bit parts. I think that's that part. And he's like, you'll be chopped in bits and threatening to kill John Larroquette, pretty much. And uh, he notices we're there watching, and he says, Hello, kiddies. <laughs> Pull out your drool cups and your vomit bags. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> This is Demon Knight, and uh, that's where Demon Knight starts.
1: And, and it I love how. With,
2: uh, go
1: ahead. I was gonna say I love how they include the uh, old school Tales from the Crypt opening love like going through the yard and down to the basement. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's great. It, it, that's true too. I didn't even think of that, but yeah. You know what though? This this movie is gonna motivate me to watch Tales from the Crypt because I haven't seen it since I was a little kid.
1: Same. I, I, I was can... thinking this. I was thinking the same thing. Now. Yeah, man. Before we get into the movie, I I I'm, I'm, I feel kind of foolish. I had no idea because I remember watching this on American television, but I didn't realize that it was actually an HBO series. And they kind of like dulled down the episodes so they would be like, for, you know, like watchable for um, like cable TV. So like the originals, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, have nudity, more gore. They were like a little more risque, whereas like the we had like the watered down version, or at least the ones that I watched. I don't know if you guys at HBO, we couldn't have fucking couldn't afford it, and if your friends didn't have a black box, you were shit out of luck.
2: Yeah, well, I had a black box, but I think that was like after Tales from the Crypt was on.
0: I remember I say that. renting these <laughs> from Backstage Video. Oh no, shit! Were, were
1: they were they the like straight from HBO, or were they like the um, you know uh, cable adaptation?
0: I, I can't recall, but I remember renting even Bordello of Blood from Backstage. Hmm.
2: Yeah, Bordello of Blood. Yeah. But anyway, starts out with a car uh, a car chase, two cars going at it, and uh, you see, well, you find out his name is Breaker, which is uh, William Sadler, right? That's his name, William Sadler. Yep. Okay, so you see Breaker being chased and shooting guns and stuff, and they end up colliding or the big accident happens, going over hundred miles an hour. Breaker somehow survives. He ends up running off and uh, tries to steal a car. This little this little kid Danny, who becomes uh, part of the story later, also uh, you know you steal my dad's car. He calls for his dad. He runs away, and he runs into Uncle Willie, which is played by Dick Miller of gremlins and uh dick miller's like uh you know he's drinking and he's like you want to drink i don't drink i don't like to drink alone and he's like i just need a place to go so he takes him over to what becomes basically the whole movie and in
1: I mean, uh, the meantime we go ahead i was gonna say remember the old days when you could just have a drink with a hobo and have to worry about some crazy virus <laughs> the old days must be yeah. nice
2: and then That's you up. meet Billy Zane, who is the best uh, character ever in the movie. Actually, two cops pull up to the accident, and they're like, uh, oh, how did they, you know, there's nobody here. How did they survive this? And they must have been going well over 100 miles an hour and all this shit with this shit. And then who pops through the flames? Billy Zane. And what's his character name, uh, Doug? I forgot to write it down.
1: It's just, he's just The Collector. That's the only thing he's, you know, he has no other name besides The Collector.
2: Oh, okay. I didn't know if he had a name or not. That's why I didn't realize what his name was. So anyway, yeah, he uh, he's like, why did why were you going so fast or whatever? And he's, like, oh, I'm chasing somebody for what an antiquity or something like that. And uh, and I believe they get a call that uh, from yeah, they get a call about the stolen car. So they go they go investigate it with Billy Zane. So they take Billy Zane along for the ride. They don't ask any further questions. They just you know he's like trying to hunt down
1: this antiquity. He calls it. And uh, let me see. I just love when Billy Zane's just sitting in the car, and it's just, like, very casual. You know, he's very ch- – Billy Zane in general is just very charming, I find, especially in this. and That's why they, you know, why they chose him, because he can be demonic-looking. You know, he can look evil, but he can be charming at the same time. But he's just sitting in the back with his hat on and just, like, like no big deal. Like, this is, like, a normal day for the cops and shit.
0: Doug says yeah, d- charming, d- and I would say chill. I think maybe we have uh, different ideas, but, you know. Yeah, I'm is, not afraid of sexuality, Kevin. That's all. It is, it is his man crush.
1: Yes. It's just different than sexuality. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm confident with mine. I'll, I'll say a man's charming. I'll say a man's good looking. Fuck it.
2: So they get to the,
1: <laughs> the <laughs> they get to the mission. Uh,
2: well, going back to I'm sorry, going back to Breaker and uh, Uncle Willie, they get to the mission and He's checking in, and that's when you see Irene slash CCH Pounder. Cordelia, I'm not even going to try. And she's staring at him. You can tell she's a hooker right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's like, ah, we don't take strangers. But he pulls out money. She's like, good enough. And uh, so she yells at Gerilyn, which is played by Jada Pinkett, to show him to the room and something about sheets. I don't know, something like that. But uh, and then uh, (laughs) there's the Wally scene. Now you meet Wally who's the biggest, like, I don't know. This guy pisses me off throughout the whole movie. He's just such a sad sack. He and, is. Uh, yeah, he gets, you know, he tells Cordelia, who he obviously has a crush on. Him. You can tell right off the bat that he got fired from the post office. So she, she tells Irene, maybe I should give him a freebie. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly what he needs. And
1: it unfortunately, it never happens for the poor guy in the whole movie. But doesn't she say like, that's what exactly what he needs, another person screwing him or something? That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly what
2: she says, yeah. That's, um, what she, that's what he needs, another person screwing him, yeah.
1: But it's there's a very cute scene a little bit earlier talking about with the sheets, like they were... I think um, Irene makes a joke about you never get the stains out of those sheets, you know, and you know she's a prostitute, and she's like... She just kind of puts her head down. She's like, damn guacamole. <laughs> I just
2: yeah, thought that very funny. Yeah, the same. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Guacamole.
2: So... Um, uh... <laughs> The breaker is eating, and uh, Cordelia offers him dessert, and she gets up on the table, and at the same time, there's a black cat that gets up on the table, and Irene screams over and says, God damn it, get that pussy off the table. (laughs) So Cordelia instantly gets down, and Irene says to her, I meant the cat. I meant the cat. So I, you know, and then uh, that's when, oh, how'd the cat get in? So the cat was outside, but he got in somehow. So that comes into play a little bit later too. And I'm just doing everybody play by play. So you meet everybody. Then Roach enters, which is played by that guy you said from Wings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, What's his name? His name in real life is Thomas Hayden Church. That's it. And uh, Cordelia asks why he's late. And he tells someone tried stealing a car. Uh, at the diner, so Irene actually, the you know my only thing about Irene, I hate in this movie, she she's rats a, out.
1: Yeah, she's oh, a narc. She
2: calls the cops. So yeah, they uh, get the call with the cops and all that shit, um, and and so now the collector slash Billy Zane has a feeling that's where he is. So now they're on their way over. So uh, they show up, the breaker and Zane tells them they're looking for... A, this is where he says it. A piece of antiquity. And the cop is looking and he finds Cordelia and Roach. And, uh... He's got, like, these, like... Uh... Little, uh, <laughs> uh Jesus. Like, battery cables. Jumper cables or something or whatever. Attached to his, uh... Nipples. It was a jumper. He, like, Roach clips,
1: I would say. Yeah, like Roach clips and, hooked up to uh, a battery.
2: So the, uh, cop walks in and whatever and, uh... He tells them all to go downstairs because they're trying to find this antiquity because it was hidden. And the bestest life, like the other cop says to him, "Is like, did you find anything?" He's like, "Nah, just a lube and an oil job."
1: <laughs> but so, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious, dude. This and right before that, um. So let me just break down the scene real quick because uh, this is probably my favorite. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite little segments in the movie. So when he's creeping down the, Bob's creeping down the hall. Because you hear something going on. You hear, like, slowly start hearing Cemetery Gates playing in the background, Pantera. And then, yeah, he pops the door open, and then once he yells at him, he's like, turn it off, turn it off, my nipples are smoking. <laughs> <laughs> it just cracks me the fuck up. Yeah, and then the whole, uh, what was the lube oil? whole lube oil fucking yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah,
2: oil a lube, or lube and oil. I didn't write it down, I just remembered that part. I knew some <laughs> lines I would remember, so I didn't even bother writing it down.
0: I don't know about you guys, but this movie reminds me of um, from Dust Till Dawn a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and we'll I know have some we all, we facts all... about that later. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to get into that, or we just are oh we... you
2: can go ahead. You
0: take I, it. You haven't talked at all. Go I ahead. was just gonna say this segues. I mean, a, a lot of the scenes it, it does remind me of that, and then watching. The documentary that we watched on this movie it was amazing to know that that was supposed to be the movie that tales of the crypt put out not this movie so it makes sense with you know in what they were looking for but i mean it hadn't even been shot so i mean i'm, I'm, I'm guessing that from the scripts there were some similarities similarities that they noticed and so when they read demon knight they were like oh okay well i mean this isn't from Death till dawn but it's pretty damn close because i didn't i always thought the tales of the crypt wrote these movies uh, you know, as part of the Tales of the Crypt series, I I didn't know that they were basically just getting scripts from all over the place that had been written for years, and they were just picking and choosing what they were going to slap their label on, um, well, and and direct have to direct and produce and everything. But for the most part, I mean, the, the you know the, the script of the movie for, was pretty much written already. So uh, for this
1: one here, and I think probably Bordello of Blood, and I'll I'll get back to that in a second. But a lot of them like the actual Tales from the Crypt like TV show were based on the old um, EC comics, which came out in the 50s. And then they basically... Um, so it was kind of like a tip-of-gore type situation back in the 50s. All the parents, clergymen, teachers, uh, they thought these comics were causing illiteracy and juvenile delinquency. So there was some kind of congressional subcommittee that basically shook the industry. And they P- EC comics basically shut down, not just their horror, but all their sci-fi basically fucking, like, just put a stop to everything, you know, and it kind of stayed dormant until, like, the 70s when British companies, British filmmakers started making, like, Tales from the Crypt based on, you know, the um, the movies, and then, you know, then we got, uh, you know, what we know best of is uh, from our childhood where, you know, they were the seasons, like the TV shows, so yeah, th- these here, I think later on, they, just, they wanted to uh, revitalize it, and you're right, there's kind of scripts floating out there, and they did say that there was three, there was supposed to be a package of three, Bordello of Blood, and another script, which was supposed to be dead easy, but it was never made. And at the end of Tales from the Crypt, after the credits, I don't know if you guys watched that far, but Keep comes on. He's like, and look for our new movie, Dead Easy, coming out in whatever, like this June or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But the thir- and yeah, so because of, um, what's his name? Not fucking John Cusack. Uh Quentin Tarantino. Um, he wanted too much money, so they basically dropped from Dust Till Dawn ended up picking up Demon Knight. And then the third one ended up being a movie called Ritual with Tim Curry that was like maybe 2001, I think. 2001 or 2000. No, 2002, but I've never seen that. I don't know if you guys have. Nope. Oh, so that was, all, that was also supposed to be part of the series? So that, yeah. So if you had a look at the, if it was a, they call it the trilogy and it's uh, Bordello Blood, um, Demon Knight, and then that movie, The Ritual. And that, that was the three that they had. But. You know, they all kind of fell in different orders just because of Hollywood being Hollywood, essentially.
0: Did oh, you guys hear, know? I didn't even realize. Go ahead. Did you know that they tried to link all three of these movies?
1: I I know that The Key makes an appearance in the second one, even though it's not a direct sequel. sequel yeah. right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, the Key's. Yeah, that's William, it.
1: And that's no, it, and, right? And
2: William Sadler's The Mummy in Bordello of Blood. Oh, That's know. right. That has. <laughs> Anything to do with it, but he's definitely the mummy, so he makes an appearance from it, you know. So he's linked to both
1: movies. That's, That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. If I if yeah. I was if I was part of the first one, I'd be like, yeah, I don't give a fuck what I am. I just want to be in the second one, you know. Hmm. All right. So well, shut up. Uh,
2: no, no, it's all good,
1: man. No,
2: it's, <laughs> uh, it's just get, We're gonna be here all day, bro. No, but uh, the cops ask where where the thing is, the uh, antiquity. And Uncle Willie opens his fucking mouth because he's a drunken bastard and he fought mm-hmm. gremlins in his past life. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, oh, I didn't realize it, but I saw him stash it. So he went, he grabs it and all that shit. And uh, the funny part is, Billy Zane here is, I just love the way he acts in this movie. He's just like, hey, hey, before you hand it over, man, can you can you dump it, <laughs> dump it out? So now you're starting to figure out it, it holds a liquid. You, you don't know what it is yet, but... And then, um, yeah, so the uh, the cops are going to take uh, – they cu- they cuffed Breaker. They're going to take him to the station, and and uh, the collector's like, you know, uh, thank you, guys. And he's like, no, you're coming with us, too. Both those cars were reported stolen. So here's the first, like, really kind of gory scene in the demonite portion of the movie, not kind of the beginning. And uh, so he turns around, and I forget – what does he say, Doug? Do you remember the line he says right before he does it?
1: Um, I'm sorry. Well He's about to punch the guy through the head. Um, I don't know if he says anything. Does he? No, he does. Yeah, he does.
2: He says something. He's like, now I have to do this or something. I can't remember. But anyway, he ends up punching him through the fucking head. Right through it. And his hand gets stuck. He's sitting there struggling with it. Eventually, it rips off. So he decapitates the guy. Good practical he flicks facts. it at the other cop. Yeah, it was good. And I, I guess from the uh, documentary, they used
1: SpaghettiOs and... Some other stuff. Like beans and everything anything they could yeah. find.
2: Sausages, I think was mentioned. Something like that. I
1: can't remember. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of that scene, my favorite scene from Dead Alive, where uh, the dude just comes up and punches a chick right through the face and then just starts fighting everybody with like um, <laughs> her her like head still on his hand, like the whole body. Mm-hmm. Kind of I don't know, I don't think it was a direct nod, but it was I'm like, yeah, that's it's just it just makes makes the scene.
2: So, yeah, Breaker gets the handcuff keys from the other cop and uh, presses the amulet on Zane's face. It burns him up, and then he just jumps through the window outside. And this is when you see Billy Zane uh, say, what, fuck that cowboy shit, this ho-dunk, po-dunk, whatever, and he starts doing the dance. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's, I think, what made Doug fall in love with him is that part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Po-dunk. It was right then (laughs) and there. And he actually – because of this movie, they say that that's how he got the role for the bad guy in Titanic, kind of like the Correct, villain in Titanic. Because yeah, he, you know, he plays just as such a good, stern, charming psycho, charming.
2: No, he's definitely charming, man. I mean, even in the later, like the uh, the, the, the fantasy scenes or whatever, the scenes that he creates for everybody, like he's such a charming fella. Mm-hmm. I almost fell for him too. You Not know, quite <laughs> as much as you. So we almost did, but anyway, he ends up cutting his own hand open, and this is where all the fucking chaos just really starts and he has his green blood and, and he's bleeding like a motherfucker. And he's like, you know, throwing the blood all over the place throwing on the blood and it's on the ground. And then all of a sudden these demons start rising up and, um, yeah, they look pretty cool too, man. Once they're up and out, they got the freaking top knots and uh, their masks and all the like nipple rings and weird stuff on them. And, uh, I thought they looked cool. And in the original, uh, well, this wasn't the original script. Due to budgetary cuts, uh, they were going to actually just make them like humans oh, with it like sucked. sunglasses. Yeah, that yeah, was like terrible. Like, yeah, but uh, the 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 guy that was producing it or whatever, I can't remember. It was in the documentary, but the guy said, nah, we're going to find a way around it." And he he found in the budget to just make these suits and just do a little bit of makeup and. Luckily, they, they did that because that would have sucked, Kevin, you know, with the CIA-looking people or whatever they described. Yeah,
0: yeah, just humans humans with glowing eyes or whatever. It, it would have just been lackluster. I, as a kid, I always thought that the demons kind of looked like the Crypt Keeper, but, I mean, I guess now you can see them closer. Um, I, maybe not at all, but I, I always, as a kid, was like, oh, they kind of remind me of the Crypt Keeper, which makes sense why they would have demons that look like that. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing too, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if I missed it, but you, I, it's unbelievable to think that they filmed this inside of a hangar. The entire movie was done with mostly practical effects. The background that was easy for them to figure out how to do something, but that, I think they said they had a, they just had a black background. But that it was all shot inside of a hangar. That, that's so cool. They don't do that shit anymore.
1: No, yeah, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, Mark. Uh, Ernest was saying that like, he's like, they didn't want to do it. He didn't want to film for like, it took 40 days. He didn't want to film for 40 days at night. He's like, it's just not healthy for the cast and the crew, you know, like throwing off the cycles and everything. So that's why they decided to go with the hangar to, uh, just to make it more, more feasible, more livable, more, you know, overall just more enjoyable to make.
2: Yo. It does. It does work. I think. Yeah, man. There it is. Yeah, uh, Kevin pointed out the when you start talking, but it does take a second. It actually does light your uh, your voice up. Just so uh, yeah. you know, on your phone. yeah. So
0: these two dickheads don't keep saying no. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go well, ahead. Well,
1: if you talked more, you'd have the same issue.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's why I don't. Too busy listening to you two fight over each other.
1: Hey, it's tough. We're trying to. It's the new normal. Okay. Yeah, hey, we can't
2: do this live, so we can't see each other. I mean, it is what it is, even though we, we did it live last uh, last month or whatever. But, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> um, what do you call it? Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, and a few get in, and uh, a few of the demons get in, and Breaker shoots out the eyes. So you figure out how oh, they die right away. you got to shoot their eyes out. Then a bunch try to come in in the front door. Breaker shoots, and then at them, they back off, and he goes. He opens the uh, amulet thing, and he pours a little bit. In the, what do you call that? The doorway there. Uh, the, threshold. the threshold. threshold. And uh, yeah, so you see like this red line go around it and it seals the door. It protects from demons from coming in. And uh, yeah, and that's what he does there. And then uh, what's her name? Je- Jevelin? Je- How do you say her name?
1: Uh, I was a little confused myself, but. Uh... Jevelin? Jevelin? Jevelin?
2: Geraldine. Geraldine. Yeah, Geraldine. Geraldine. It's an R, not a V. That's me in my bad writing. And Willie attempt to go out the back. They get attacked. Breaker comes and saves the day. He hears him screaming. He throws a like a butterfly knife, gets one through the eye, pushes the guy out, and he seals that entranceway. And then uh, one attacks Cordelia and Wally. So everybody's basically getting attacked. He saves them too. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Wally saves it. He's shooting the thing, but he's shooting in the head, and then. Breaker comes in. He's like, shoot it in the eyes. And then Wally, I don't know where he got trained, man, but that dude can shoot out those <laughs> eyes right away. Two shots, bang, bang. Uh, that fucking thing dies. So now, you you know, they're all in there. And, and you know, Breaker's starting to seal off the rest of the place. So then uh, you get, like, this flashback of, like, Jesus stuff. <laughs> wanted to, somebody want to explain that part?
1: So it's okay. just – it's kind of like this very orange scene – um, you know, orange sky, very desert looking. And it's just like three, three bodies on crucifixes. Right. And then there's kind of like this weird guy with curly hair who we end up finding it. I have it written down somewhere. It's some, he's, uh, some thief, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it, it's very quick and we don't know you are starting to realize that, all right, maybe there, there's something that's been going on for a long time, but we don't know what yet. It's like a little <laughs> teaser. For, for later on. But now, was this the scene, um, or was it the, there's another scene, another flashback he has about like the World War, World War One in France when they brought all the dirt in?
0: That was another one. Yeah, that's yeah, like, that another scene.
1: Yeah, that's like the
2: last of them, the last of uh, his, I believe. Mel
0: Gibson definitely watched this before he made Passion of the Christ.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is I thought that to myself too. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, was, I don't know why i thought of that yeah i don't know i was like oh wow it's uh why did i just think of passion of the christ the other thing too is uh, i don't know about you guys but billy Zane's character i know in the documentary he said it was his evil version of uh jim uh, uh robin, robin williams, williams genie but i got a lot of beetlejuice from this ah I could see yeah that. absolutely I could see that.
2: Definitely. I, I agree, man. I could see it. You know, obviously not as wacky as Beetlejuice, but definitely in some of his movements and even the way he talked and stuff, you can hear it. I yeah,
1: agree. Describe himself as a genie from hell. You know, Tim uh, Robin Williams' genie from hell, which, you know, later on when, you know, he starts kind of fucking people's minds and it definitely makes sense.
2: Now, this part I wasn't even going to talk about just because I don't think it's that relevant to the movie. I mean, it, I guess it kind of is. I just like what the guy says and, and it's... Uh, Cordelia, Wally, and Roach are all kind of fighting because when they went to run out the door, Cordelia did get stuck outside. I didn't mention that. And they had to save her. And uh, so she's fighting with Roach because Roach left her there. Roach ran back in and closed the door on her. And um, so anyway, she ended up getting rescued. So they're fighting now. Wally's in the room and, you know, Wally's my friend, she says. He helped me. And, And he's like, whores don't have friends. And I
1: felt so bad for poor Cordelia there. Just, yeah, like, no, I felt the same way. way. Yeah. You can tell she's just a sweet girl that just you know, and she just needs a real a real love in her life. She never knew real love, and yeah, you feel for. Her. And she did, and she did not age very well. No, <laughs> um, I was thrown I off because her IMDP picture, she looks great, but I I I don't I don't know how to say this without sounding like rude, but it almost kind of looks like she had a stroke. You know what? You might be right, and I'm
2: probably an asshole for saying what I said because, like, she could have, like, yeah, definitely. It looked like her mouth wasn't moving properly. You, you might be right. Man.
1: Yeah, something. I, I, cause she, cause she says something in the documentary about like being able to, um, she feels like that. Like the Cordelia role was like her. Like, cause she was, you know, uh, has no said something like no happiness and kind of like dark but like soft. You know, it's like so she connected mm-hmm. with the role. And then she, she says that's why, you know, she thinks that her character was the weakest and why he goes to her first, which is kind of coming up, I believe.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming up. It's coming up. Uh, the, the cat got in, so they chase it to the basement. This is uh, back to Breaker and everybody else. Uh, they find that there's a breeze coming from this little area, which ends up being a mine. We'll find that out in a little bit. So some people want to go. Some people don't. And it's a big fight. Roach starting all that shit. Um, eventually and uh, anyway back to Roach real quick he slaps Cordelia I forgot to mention that he slapped her in the face oh, and then funny. that's when uh, saying the, you know, the collector comes after she gets slapped she's alone in the room she's crying and he's like oh Cordelia you're, you're pretty oh I shouldn't say pretty you're beautiful inside and out uh, you're just a sad girl looking for love stuff like that it's a lot longer but I'm just giving you the gist of it uh, I can give you that love all you have to do is let me in. And uh, while he enters, they kiss. So right there, uh, when I first saw it, I, I thought she was going to like bite his face off or something. But it doesn't show a quite turn yet. It doesn't show a quite turn yet. And uh, so they're in the basement. Uh, they want to escape. This is the part I was talking about, that they were fighting about it. And then they hear screaming from the upstairs. So they run up, and they break down the door, and Cordelia's fucking possessed or mouth is fucking open. Great practical effects. Anybody have any description
1: of that face, dude, like can describe it well? It's crazy. No? Uh, I just remember like teeth, uh, It whereas it's kind of like dark too. Um, it kind yeah. of like lets your imagination take over a little bit more too. But I just remember like teeth and it was almost like, like um, it's funny, uh, but it reminded me of kind of like Beetlejuice, like Kevin said. But I like, remember when like he turns into a snake and you just have like the teeth and like the malt's wide open. Right. Um, but, yeah, the fragile effects are like, great.
2: And it looks like her neck, like, elongated a little bit if you watch. It looks like it just kind of stretches out a little bit, and then her mouth kind of opens up. And that's when you see the teeth. And, uh, anyway, uh, Cordelia's possessed. She's on top of Wally. Breaky, Breaker shoots, and she lifts Wally up. He shoots Wally in the back. She throws Wally at, the, at them. She's choking Breaker. He drops the amulet, and Irene picks it up to use it, and ends up losing her arm. She ends up getting her arm slammed against the door, it breaks, and then it gets ripped off. They shoot Cordelia the eye, and this part was cool. So you actually shoot her, her head kind of explodes, and her eyes end up like on the ground, and they're still moving, and then they shoot the eyes. (laughs) And she dies. But what I thought was cool about, going back to Irene, I meant to mention this earlier, so CCH Pounder, who plays Irene, actually, actually, let me mark where I was, because I'm fucking, there it is, okay, marked. Um, she was actually a lot skinnier and stuff than she looks in the movie. So what they did is they, they made her look older by adding like a fat suit uh. and uh, padding. So, um, and it also helped hide the arm effect so she can hide her arm in the suit. So they use the fake arm, obviously. That makes and I sense. thought that was pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, how do you feel being her? Like, we're going to make you look fat and old. In this flick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> She but I only, thought that was a funny little fact.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Because uh, she was younger. Well, not younger, but she was pretty young. She was only in her, like, maybe late 30s at the time. You know, so, yeah, they kind of, right. they did well kind of making her look like a, you know, just like a sassy older, you know, like wise, kind of mother of the house.
2: Yeah, she's 68 years old now, and this movie was filmed, what, 26 years ago? So, do the math. 42, yeah, that's
0: why I, so I was looking 41. at her to see if she was still alive, and I'm like, Oh, she really didn't age much from ninety-five, but now that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's
2: what it is, yeah. I mean, she—you know—she's she's just an—I—I awesome. I love her, man. I've always loved her, like I said, in everything I have ever seen her. So I felt bad for her losing her arm because she's awesome and she's mean, and she ends up making a huge sacrifice in a little while. So they go back to the basement. Roach is sledgehammering the entranceway, and then this is when the second. um flashback happens where it shows the crucifixion, like the nail getting nailed in the hand and then the skulls all over the ground. And then, uh, there's a demon hand, right? That's under the blood of Christ and it burns his hand. So the dude, the thief, I'm guessing he has the amulet and he's getting, he's, he's putting uh, the blood of Jesus in, uh, in the amulet. And then it shows the demon grab the amulet and like, just start shaking like he's dying. And so that's like the second vision that, uh, Breaker has. I keep wanting to call him Striker. I don't know why the fuck. I almost. I wrote down Striker like ten times. I had to cross it out.
1: Maybe Breaker. So and they Sandler. go into the mines. Huh? No, nothing. I was just comparing the uh, names.
2: Yeah, they go with no, no. Just break. No, no. Breaker and but I kept writing down Striker. Like I think it's because I watched X Men the other day and and there's a character Striker, the one who makes wolf, uh, Weapon X and all that. Wolverine gives him the adamantium. And I Ooh. think that might be why. So they go into the mines. Breaker seals the uh, entrance of the mine. They find Danny. Little Danny, the guy who screamed to his dad his car was getting stolen, stolen earlier. Then they, uh... The demons show up. You know, eventually. It's, it's a few minutes, but they show up. They had to print it back. They make it back to the entranceway, into the mission. And Breaker says, it's all good. It's sealed. Then fucking Roach...
1: Fucking Roach... Takes a shotgun. Go ahead. What does he do, Doug? fucking douchebag, just, no one doesn't want to listen to anybody, fucking shoots one of the zomb- uh, zombies, one of the demons through the, uh, you know, the shield. The, the seal. The, the seal. seal, and yeah, and fucking, it breaks the seal. You know, now it's all, mm-hmm. they were good. They were good for a little while. But no, break, Roach mm-hmm. had to fucking hop in and be a dick. Yeah,
2: and then from there, they all run up, and they all make it. They all make it to the uh, top of the stairs, which was sealed accidentally earlier, and uh, I forgot to write it down, but I forget how it happened, but I think they, they dropped a little blood fell out of the amulet and it actually accidentally sealed it. So they actually got lucky right there. So the balcony got uh, sealed. Uh, and then they discover they're low on ammo, that's where they talk about I only got four bullets left and oh how about shotgun shells? And she's like, Not up here, they're downstairs. And this is when the World War One flashback happens, Doug.
1: Okay, yeah, I got that here. No, I I, I jumped the gun. I couldn't remember what scene that they, they did.
2: Yeah, if okay. you want to explain it, go ahead, bro. I so, like when other people explain things.
1: I guess when uh, when they were filming the scene, because it's like trenches, it's like World War One. It's very you know, it's they're foxholes, and uh, mm-hmm. so I guess they they brought in like trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks of what they thought was dirt, but I guess it was like mixed with manure, and uh, <laughs> and it was the, the the actors say that it was like just unbearably hot in general, and then to add hot manure into a pl- uh, airplane hangar, uh, it they said yeah, nobody it, wanted to be in there.
0: Sounds like a terrible mix. Yeah. What did, you, what did you guys think of the uh, what did you guys think of that scene? I mean, as war buffs, uh, did you guys think they did that pretty well? I think so, especially with, the, with what they yeah, had, look what they had to work with.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a, for a little bunch of movie, I thought it looked really good. I thought they did really well with it, sure. I mean, could have it looked better, obviously, but you know, for for what it was, yeah, I thought I thought it was fine. What about you, Kevin? Sounds like you might have had some beef with it.
0: No, no. I I just know how much you guys. I mean, I, I like war movies, but I know that you guys really like watching war movies and stuff. So it was interesting how they incorporated that in. And from what I could tell, I, it I thought it was I thought it was good. I know it was just a playback on the history of the key, um, but I mean, I I still thought it was pretty sick for what for what they were doing. Knowing that they filmed that inside too.
1: Yeah. Once you get the backstory, you know, because I, I didn't. I appreciate this more watching the documentary and I appreciate you guys recommending it because it kind of just gives you a little more a little more insight than, you know, especially coming from first-hand people that were there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco, when things open up eventually, it might are, even already be open, but we need to go to the Collins Military Museum in Hudson, dude. So this dude... I know, yeah. He's got... He's a gazillionaire. He's got, like, he, he had some barcode uh, money, you know? He invented some barcode. Now he just... Has a shitload of money, and he has, I'm telling you, that ruins other museums for you. Like, the shit he has, unbelievable. He has, like, one of two panzers. It was one special type of panzer tank that he pulled out of, like, a lake in Poland, brought it here, refinished it, you know, and it's four miles from my house, you know. Like, this place is, he's got B-52 bombers, but maybe we'll do a vintage burn day, and we'll do a little fucking history day. Would you be down, Kev? Yeah. All right um yeah no,
2: i know i remember i remember we walked by it remember and it had the tank outside or whatever it was not the tank it was like a gun like a, like. A oh oh, the, like
1: that. no that was just the battle of hudson the independence of yeah, hudson The, ba- the uh, Battle
2: of <laughs> Hudson.
1: <laughs> this one's um you can't really see it from the street it says a huge sign you know a big like lit up sign but we'll we'll i'll oh, okay, give you more deets okay. okay. on that later but um yeah that's just but like I the downtown I, yeah, I think
2: you told me about the museum that day that's what i think
1: okay day, but, that's right uh,
2: I just thought it was where the Battle of Hudson commenced. <laughs> um,
1: apparently wasn't. Second to Gettysburg. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was just as bloody. Just as bloody. Second bloodiest. You know.
2: <laughs> but nobody knows about it. Nope. It was a secret war. Anyway, so they asked him to explain what the fuck is going on. And he says, I thought everybody was safe because you need seven. There was only five. The collector brought two with him, so it made it seven. Seven stars, you need seven people. And we did not explain, he has seven, he stars on his hand, and the amulet has seven stars on it as well. And uh, so everything needs to line up. So but that's basically the explanation that he ends up telling them, you know, oh, it came from a carpenter, whatever, whatever. And they, oh, is it the like, oh, he's like, let me start from the beginning, before Earth, or whatever. You mean oh. Genesis, I mean, says? Yeah, you mean anyway, Genesis. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, so they had to figure it out. Yeah, the blood of Christ was in there. He's like, maybe some of it's still the blood of Christ,
1: whatever, whatever, whatever. It's funny they don't actually say Christ or Jesus. They just say like a uh, carpenter. You know, I don't know why That's they. That's true. Um, so go. I, I got to, I got overzealous talking about the World War Two shit. But so there's that little scene uh, where the dying soldier um, he's dying. He pours right. his blood into it and he hands it to him. He burns it into his hand. That's how he's got like the, the you know the burn on his hand. And he tells him you're the one. So he kind of so that we know that breaker not hasn't necessarily been around since. Um, you know, the Jesus days. But he, it's, it, it's going from person to person, you know, um, whoever they see fit that can resist evil in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. But yes, then he goes into um, talking about the darkness where the demons ruled the earth. Uh, they had seven keys until God said, let there be light. Um, and the keys were scattered across the universe. Um, yeah, they found six, and this is the last one left. And that's, yep, that's the last one left. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. uh, I, I actually have Carpenter's blood in quotations in my notes. And then S- Cyrax. Mm-hmm. Cyrax is the name of, like, the original thief. You know, so okay. he's the one that kind of looks like the dude from Havoc with the crazy hair.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I was so uh, infatuated with the uh, Battle of
1: Hudson, I forgot where we were. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> Most people don't know, but it's quite the quite the battle, quite the history. <laughs>
2: So, anyway, after the explanation of the five and seven, seven, sorry, seven people, all that bullshit, Danny disappears. So they split up like fucking smart people in horror movies and they go looking for poor old Danny. So at this time, Geraldine walks into a room and the room transforms, and it's it's the collector fucking with her now in, in a little fantasy. I call it the Pinkett fantasy because I used to love Jada Pinkett. And I, I had a lot of fantasies about her when I was a kid. So tell her, he t- basically what he's telling her is because she's on work release and all this stuff. you want to go see the world, you deserve the world. And he's being all smooth and shit. And then uh, and then eventually she spits at his face. And she sees like a vision of Breaker getting eaten by the uh, uh, demons. And uh, Zane uh, pops out and talks. Uh, oh, no, 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 never mind. And then anyway, the scene ends, and you wonder, did she get possessed just like Cordelia? You don't know yet. So Willie went missing now, and Irene finds Danny and Willie together up in the uh, attic, or in the steeple. Is it a steeple? Steeple. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, the cops up there, too, and they find all these guns. And uh, who was supposed to blow up the post office? Was that supposed to be Wally, or was it supposed to
1: be... That that was Wally, Uncle yeah. Well, Uncle, Wally, but they- Uncle they- Willie's the drunk, and Wally is the... the po- Yeah, the postal worker. The yes. Player. Which is kind of crazy that, even seeing this years later, like, I remember, like, remember, like, it was a thing that, you know, to quote, unquote, go postal, There was, like, Countless mass shootings like post offices back in the 90s. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's oh, kind yeah, of yeah. fucked up that, like, it's fucked up, but like, you know, most people wouldn't realize that this was kind of a thing. You know, maybe if a kid, 15 year old kids watching this, might not realize that going postal in the 90s was actually a fucking thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And it, it uh, I still think it's a term used. I'm percent uh, yeah.
1: sure. I, I think so. I haven't but heard it in a while, but I think so too. Yeah. Um, so. so I read- Go ahead. <laughs> is this the scene where um, the kid, Roach's kids, reading the Tales from the Crypt uh, comic? Mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of yeah. cool. Just kind of, it kind of plays out in the next scene. Right, and um,
2: yeah, so they find grenades, and then you go to Willie's fantasy, which is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> lots and lots of boobies. So basically, the room changes. Danny's behind him, and. Uh, what Willie's seeing is just a bunch of naked ladies A bunch of topless ladies And Willie's like I mean, I'm sorry, Danny's like, Uncle Willie, Uncle Willie whatever, and he's not paying attention All he sees is the uh, the boobs And then you see Billy Zane pop up as the bartender And offers him a drink And, you know, Willie being the alcoholic, he accepts the drink He accepts a drink But another funny quick little thing on this In the uh, documentary to talk about it It took 16 or 17 takes Because Dick Miller couldn't get the lines right
1: Because he was distracted by the boobage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them. The <laughs> boobage. Yeah, man.
0: Hey, you know what's you know what's funny? I just thought of this now. The the uh, bartender behind the 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 bar fantasy scene is like The Shining.
2: Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. is. Uh, I
1: was gonna mention that, Kevin. Good job, buddy. I was gonna mention it too, me but now. you guys took it from me. <clears throat> oh, no, that's a great comparison. A Crap. <laughs>
2: But yeah, again, he's being you know the Billy Zane thing, and he's just he's just acting all eccentric. He just does a really good job in this movie, and in the documentary. Agreed. Everybody says that he's like the top of top of this movie. He's the best thing, and I, I agree. Actually, I think he's the best thing about the movie. Uh, and then Willie attacks Breaker. He's all possessed. And another real quick about Uncle uh, Quick fact about Uncle Willie is He hated the uh, prosthetics, but he toughed it out. He did not want to do it, but he did it. Uh, so his his face was all demonized. And, um, yeah, he ends up killing Willie at the same time. Zane attempts to, this is my favorite too. Zane attempts to uh, get Irene and he's got a fantasy (laughs) thing for her and he brings up the plate and shows her arm and she just literally right away tells him to fuck off and it goes away. You notice that? (laughs) It's like two seconds long and she don't fuck around, man. She's like, fuck off, dude. Get out of here. So anyway, uh. Roach apologizes to Breaker. At the same time, he pickpockets Breaker. He pickpockets the amulet. And then he's trying to give it to Zane. Zane pops up, and he's, you know, telling him, you know, if you give it to me, you'd be cool, all this shit. So he hands it to uh, the collector, the, or Zane, and he puts it in this case. He's like, put it in the case for me. And then he goes to walk down the stairs, and he thinks he's home free Roach anyway. And uh, he's like, yeah, this is nothing compared to my hemorrhoids or something like that. And, uh... And that's it, man. Fucking Zane looks at him. It's like, I lied, and the demons kill him. Yeah, rip him so apart. So Roach trying to be a cocksucker. They rip him apart, man. And it, it, Roach gets what he deserves for trying to freaking be the best, you know, whatever. Oh, and I forgot to mention another good part that happened there. Because he had yeah, Roach beforehand had to clean the seal. I forgot about that. The uh, sponge part where Billy Zane has a sponge in his mouth. And it comes out <laughs> like a tongue. Remember that?
1: That's, yep. that's cool, man. And I, I didn't realize until in, in the documentary he kinds of he kinds, he talks about that and he's like goes to the prop guy and he's like do you have a sponge you know probably a clean one do you think he actually just like he was actually able to do that or do you think that was like it just seems so natural like I don't know how they would you could fake that you know
2: yeah I, the way it made it sound in the documentary is I feel like he kind of got to do his own thing and if the as long as the director liked it it was fine. It seemed like the director, like like Kevin was saying, was pretty cool, like easygoing and all this stuff. And on yeah. another note, I guess uh, I just want to talk about the Jada Pinkett part. They talked about the documentary before I forget. And this is the last thing I have is I guess uh, she came in with short blonde hair and she was supposed to have a different hairstyle. So they wanted they wanted to uh, color it and she absolutely refused. And from what I gathered, they didn't say it in the documentary. But they say she kept to herself. If her scenes were over, she would just go to her trailer. Think she's tough to work with?
1: It kind of sounds like it.
2: Yeah. I mean, they never directly said it, but that's what I gathered from, you know, my uh, investigative mind.
1: Using your deductive reasoning to solve solve the the (laughs) behind-the-scenes. For the scoop.
2: uh, for the scoop. Uh, What is it? Breaker... As soon as he gets the case, shoots a bow and arrow through his eyes. Behind him, obviously, you saw it. Zane drops the case. They grab the case. They run away. And Irene and the cops say, just go to the steeple. We got this. And she fucking, this is, made, yeah, I love Irene even more. She had the grenade strapped to her and all the de- demons are coming up. And she pulls the pins and she just blows up the hole downstairs
1: with all the demons in herself. And that's <laughs> the end of Irene. Poor CCH. Poor CCH. I just have one. It's funny. You know how normally I like to pick movies apart? I'm like, that could yeah, never right. happen. Obviously, this is one of those ones where you don't have to. It's just you take it for what it is. But the one thing that popped in my head, the one thing that bothered me in that realm was if you have seven grenades strapped to you, like, you're not... A wooden floor in an old church is going to fucking hold seven grenades. You know, they're upstairs, and all of a sudden you see, they like, like, a little flash and, like, some, like, smoke and, like, the floor rises a little bit. I'm like, come on. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been no, more than just but But,
2: like... I you know. thought the same thing, but there's this mentions of Jesus, the universe, and
0: demons. Yeah, and I know. It's it's that special little special movies. stuff. Yeah. Hey, did you guys, yeah, you guys know about. that uh, Dick Miller's dead? I didn't even realize that.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's been dead,
0: hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he died in 2019. I was just taking a look at some of the oh, cast really? members. Him, and, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I actually I thought he was still kicking, but... I, I thought so,
1: too. Right, can I ask you guys a question? When did that documentary come out? Did it say in the description... I didn't actually read that. I was actually thinking that a little while ago.
0: Let me see if I can
2: find uh, it while
1: like, you guys
0: are chatting. Let me cause, see.
1: Because he, he was very old in that. You know, and everyone else mm-hmm. looked like it could have been done last year. It could have been done, you know, uh, seven years ago. It's kind of – I couldn't quite tag <laughs> when it was done. So um, 2015. Yeah, really sure. okay. Oh, okay. So, so, so 20th anniversary?
2: Yeah, that would have been it, yeah. So, yeah, it was made for the 20th anniversary, yeah.
1: That's cool. I'm glad right, they did so,
2: it. Uh, so at this point, it's Breaker and Geraldine. They're in a room and he's trying to hand her the key, like pass it down because he knows he needs to pass it because it might be his end. There's something. He, he, I think he has a feeling he's going to die. No,
0: and he's remember to give it to her. remember that it, it's uh, so once once his hand lights up from the seven keys uh, oh, yeah. I, I I don't know if it's a tattoo or if it's just supposed to be burned into so burned into his hand. Once that lights up, that means that they that the demon knight needs to fight the battle against the devil and whatever evil they encounter to pass on the key to the next person. It's basically like, hey, your time's up. We're lighting your ass up. It's time to find somebody else. And it has to yeah. there have to be seven people in the room. And the seven people, uh, out of the seven, one will be chosen as the next Demon Knight.
2: Ah, there you go. Good, man. I didn't catch that,
1: I guess. Did you, Doug? Uh, ha- like half. I know there's more to it, yeah. but Ke- Kevin's like the silent Bob uh, um, of the <laughs> podcast. Like, he's quiet for like most of the time, but when he comes <laughs> in, it, it's just really intelligent, like to the point. Like, thank you, silent <laughs> Kevin. <laughs>
2: So anyway, as he's trying to hand her the key, like to make her the next demon knight, Danny ends up being possessed somehow. Probably when he was in the room with uh, Willie earlier, with all the boobies, and he uh, fucks Breaker her up, tears up his chest and shit. So she kind of really saw what happened. I mean, his chest was all torn up, and uh, Geraldine kicks Danny out the window, which was sealed, so Danny explodes. His sneakers get left behind, and they look like a nice pair of sneakers. I was a kid; I would've liked those.
1: They did. Uh, so Eat. I think this is the scene I was talking about. So you you, you kind of see Take pages. On. You just see the like the tales from the crypt pages, kind of like they'll show like a cartoon, then all of a sudden they'll show it kind of like come to life, which I thought mm-hmm. was really cool.
2: Yeah, and it was Daddy's face of the cartoon. That's right. In the uh, I'm sorry, in the comic
1: book. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I keep saying cartoon. like yeah, comic. Like in the comic comics. Which... Yeah.
2: So anyway, he's dying. He passes the key to her, and she sees all the same visions Breaker saw throughout the thing. So you see the cross, you see everything, whatever. Everything we talked about, you see. And then Breaker dies, and all the seals go away. She uh, fills up with blood, she covers herself in blood. And she covers herself in his blood, right, obviously? It's gotta be. be
1: In his blood, yeah, because it's like kryptonite to to the Collector.
2: So the Collector comes in, she's covered in his blood, and... uh, he, like, extends his hand out. He's telling her, you know, come with me, whatever, whatever. I love you, all this bullshit, and we're uh, trying to say it. And uh, she grabs his hand, and he gets burned and kind of runs away. So she's walking around. She sees, like, a body bag in a bathtub and all this stuff. She she looks in there, and uh, from behind, he uh, says, like, curtains up or something, something cheesy, and he grabs her by with a shower curtain, and he throws her in the tub and washes all the blood off of her. While that's going on, though, she takes a swig of um, of the blood that's in the amulet. And this part, like he's like dragging her around. There's like a dance scene. There's all types of shit going on. If would I, I didn't get too descriptive on this part. So if anybody
1: wants to take it, take it. Uh, there was the fire penis um, sexual 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 innuendo fucking COVID shot. Yes,
0: sexual,
1: sexual innuendo. Yeah, Session? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we he, because he's. He's like basically telling her. He, he's trying to tell her he loves her. Now, do you think he's just trying to? Do you think he's actually in love with her? Do you think he's like like just taken back by how strong of a like woman she is, or do you think he's just trying to like because he's charming throughout the movie, and then all of a sudden he's like now he's fumbling on his words and you know saying like God, I I I th- I love I, uh, you know and do you think you ever yeah, could yeah. love me? And so I'm almost like is this guy is he like showing a little bit of weakness or is he? This is part of his plan.
2: Yeah, see, because you might be right. It might be like he actually is has an attachment to her to an extent because, you know, and the other people, he has no problem telling them whatever they want to hear, you know. Mm-hmm. And with her, uh, he's got issues. So I, I have a feeling that it might be – this might be his moment of weakness,
1: definitely. All right, Keith kind uh, of wants his guard down. That's yeah, kind of what I got, you know, because yeah. he's so confident and so charming. And all of a sudden he's, he's wrote, just fumbling wrote, on wrote, his words. It's like there's got to be a little bit, a little bit more.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Uh, so,
2: anyway, there's some dancing going on, and uh, she's got the blood in her mouth the whole fucking time, and eventually, she just spits it in his face, and he, like, melts away, which kind of was,
1: uh, kind of a weak ending, in my opinion. Well, doesn't he end up turning into, like, a, a demon in, like, the fire, like, kind of before he... Or yeah, that...
2: yeah, yeah. That's why I told somebody to take it because at the end I forgot to write down a couple parts here.
1: Yeah, he. So he. I think she. Ex- she must. She must escape, obviously. But you know, like you see him kind of like turn into like a demon. Then he kind of like melts in like the fire, and then like the 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 mission or the church or whatever like blows up. Right. And, and she survives. And it, yes, it, it is kind of anticlimactic towards the end, you know. But they they said in the documentary. There were a few different endings, and this was the better of the two,
0: I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. The so other one was that. just like his face in the flames, and it ends that way. So this was a much better ending from what they could put together. So Jada Pickett-Smith, heroine to first victim in Scream 2. Oh, okay. Mm. I, I
1: forgot you was in that. Yeah, um, that's cool. So, Do you want to describe ahead, the last scene?
2: Yeah, you go. You you sound ready for it.
1: So she, they kind of show her at a bus stop, um, obviously in the middle of the desert still. Big old greyhound shows up. She gets on, and she's like, oh, hold on a second. And she walks back, and she puts a you know, drop of blood to, to seal the door, and then um, she's kind of just sitting on the bus, and all of a sudden they come to the next stop, and there's this, this black gentleman with a hat on, and he kind of looks down, looks around, he looks up, and he says, I'll take the next one, and then Bus takes off, and then he kind of just whistles the uh, Tales from the Crypt theme song as he's walking up the road. So they definitely set it up for a sequel. They still can do it. They're
0: all alive. Well, yes, yes, they are.
1: Yeah, everybody who didn't die in the
0: movie.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't think Jada Pinkett did but they could easily replace her. I wouldn't think she'd want to do it these days.
0: This is above her now. uh,
2: I think so, too. But uh, I just wanted to mention before we, like, end – Charles Fleischer, the guy who played Wally, I forgot to mention, he was the voice of Roger Rabbit. Which
1: is yeah, cool. which is super weird because he has like a yeah. he has like a deep voice, right? Especially in the documentary, kind of yeah. had like a morse like this.
2: Yeah, it threw me off, and I wanted to say this story. I meant to say it earlier, and it slipped my mind. But Billy Zane, actually, when he was hired, they didn't know he was actually bald. So he came in with like a, a box of a box of wigs and asked which one they wanted him to wear. And then the directors like, the directors like, no, actually you look perfect. Let's just use your bald head. So that's, I guess he might have used wigs in other movies or whatnot. Yeah, that, that's all
1: I wanted to say on that. Yeah.
0: I can't remember but if he was uh, bald in Titanic or not.
1: I think it was like short. It wasn't bald, bald, not like in this. I think it was kind of like like kind of like almost like a buzz cut. He kind of go in the documentary he kind of goes into how like you know when he was filming some movies and like in like England and stuff like you know the skinhead look wasn't a big a good look back then you know you know say skinheads and all the fascist fascist shit so i think that's why he got used to kind of wearing wigs or kind of growing his hair in a little bit you know
2: yeah
1: absolutely man
2: and uh, i just want to shout out i just want to talk about this for 30 seconds i just want to shout out the soundtrack cuz to me in 1995, when it came out, uh, this was actually one of the best soundtracks. You know, I had like my, my holy triumvirate back then was like, Demonite, The Crow, and Judgment Night were my three favorites. And uh, it featured the likes of Megadeth, The Melvins, Rollins Band, Biohazard, Sepultura, Filter. And that was the stuff I was listening to like crazy in the uh, aforementioned cemetery gates. So yeah, me and uh, cousin Kev, who I believe is listening, used to jam this shit all the time back in the day. And that's all I wanted to say. It was just a big soundtrack to me, and I think that's what really made me like want to see this movie was the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, it's it's got a killer soundtrack. This is what got me into like um, yeah. like Megadeth, Forbidden Tre, Forbidden Treasure, Hidden Treasures, Hidden Treasures, not, forbi- H-
2: Hidden treasure, not
1: yeah. Forbidden Hidden Treasures, yeah. not Forbidden Pleasures. Well, it was a Forbidden Pleasure for me, but because <laughs> um, I, I didn't realize till years fucking later that Hidden Treasures wasn't even really an album. It was just like a comp it was a compilation of you know i think there was what was it like 99 ways to die was in uh like shocker you know we had was it diadems i'm probably saying that wrong because i'm slow yeah di- diadems yeah Diadem. diadems uh,
2: love, shit fucking go to hell
1: um yeah go go to hell whatever. was in i think um uh, a and butthead you know what i mean like the soundtrack They so that whole yeah go to hell yeah
2: go, go to hell was a bill and ted's bogus journey like,
1: yeah. okay um, so angry again, maybe it was that I don't know. It was just they were all from different kind of things that you know I didn't even realize they were from. Like one was from Super Mario Brothers. I don't remember which one. I'm just going off the top of my head here yeah. as you yeah. looked it up. Yeah. But
2: Hidden Treasures was just like covers and uh, soundtracks, whatever was on covers and soundtracks. Yeah. Whatever they did for covers, yeah, that's what it was. But speaking yeah, of, that's all. I, that's all I got on that. And, speaking uh, of,
0: Bill and, Ted, of Will, Will in, uh, Bill and Ted, Will Will there was the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted.
2: Yeah, he played Death, dude, with the board games. Sure did. That's two out of three. That's three out of
0: four. four (laughs) You sank my battleship. Do do you guys know um,
1: where the Death character originally came from? Uh, I don't know. It's um, the old black and white Swedish film, The Seven Seal. It no, kind of has,
2: oh.
1: and actually, uh, Agalok has in one of their songs. They have at the very beginning. It's just this soldier rolls up on shore, coming back from the Crusades, and uh, you know he's dying, and he ends up meeting this guy, and he says, "Who are you?" And he says, "I am Death," and that's what it is in one of the Agaloc songs. It's like "Nimi Nimi it's like, "Who are you? I am Death." And then they play chess, oh, and as okay. long as he's playing, I think it's in the lodge, uh, or tomorrow will never come. I can't remember, but so as long as you are playing chess, he kind of. Still can live, and the Grim Reaper wants him to kind of like learn lessons throughout the movie, you know, throughout the rest of his life. But, but uh, I didn't realize until I saw that 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 was kind of a nod, you know. Bill and Ted was a nod to that, you know, which I thought was pretty cool.
2: I had no idea. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's Does a good flick. Kevin,
2: is it?
0: It is. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Doug, are you Kevin are you chewing uh, on your microphone tonight? No, I'm not moving at I, all.
2: I'm not doing nothing. I got my my uh, wireless headphones and they work beautifully.
0: So I we we me. we yelled at Marco last time, so it's only fair. Now tonight, when you get to listen to this, you get to hear how horrible it is because of it. Sounds like it sounds like you're rubbing your nipples at your fucking microphone. Hmm.
1: I wonder why. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe I'll have to invest in fucking headless ones.
0: That's it's it. It's your turn.
1: You Deal. Like the wired
0: ones. But Marco, to your, point, the all the time. Marco nah. to your point. Marco, your point. I uh, I I like the movie. I mean, I again, I I like the references to. Um, in my opinion, I liked the references to. I, I I got a little bit of Beetlejuice slapstick out of it. Um, I, I really enjoyed the. Dust till dawn i guess i mean i know it wasn't really made off of that movie but i i enjoy from Dust till dawn a lot so i i got the references so i kind of like the mix Mm -hmm. that's what i got from it where those two movies mixed together maybe not as comedic um but certainly good practical effects too so i love it i mean it's kind of we we grew up with it in the 90s so you know like that and bordello blood kind of have a special place for me like thinking back when I could sneak a VHS home that was in the horror category, those were two of the movies that I would want to see. Right. Yeah.
2: about you Douglas.
1: Yeah. Three thumbs up, man. I fucking, I've I've always loved this one and the soundtrack just seals the deal, but great story, fucking star studded cast, practical effects, movies. I mean, yeah. What else could you ask for? You know, especially like you said, is a, as a younger kid, we would have been like 10 when this came out. Like, what more could you ask for? Then yeah, Gore moved. Yep.
2: Did your third thumb go up for Billy Zane? It did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, COVID shot, yeah, for the I, third thumb.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm growing a tail from my COVID shot. I got mine a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo their sentiments. I think uh, I agree with everything they said. And uh, I was kind of worried about this movie because I haven't seen it in a long time. And I thought, you know, is it one of those movies that didn't age well or, you know what it's like when you watch a movie that you thought you loved and you're like, yes. fuck, this sucks. like Popeye with Robin Williams. I thought I loved that movie. And then I tried watching it and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and uh, sorry, sorry to all those that like that movie. That movie sucks. But um, yeah, man. and But I was worried. And, and man, I watched it three times in the last, what, four or five days in between my... Uh, Good, the bad, and the ugly, and the uh, Dollars trilogy. Clint Clint Eastwood I'm trying to get into westerns. I don't know why. It was a good movie.
1: Did Danzig uh, uh, <laughs> uh, influence you into watching more westerns?
2: No, I just I just it's Clint Eastwood, oh, and, God. and I appreciate the guy, so I wanted to give it a shot, and they're actually pretty good movies. You could tell the uh, some of the guys that dubbed. but anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But yeah overall man loved it uh and i'd watch it again dude i almost kind of want to watch bordello of blood even though i didn't like bordello of blood back in the day i didn't like it so i'm gonna try it again and see if it grows on me
0: well just watch glenn danzig's Veritalk and anything or veronica and everything will be good after that it won't oh, matter
2: what,
0: won't matter what you watch that,
2: so yeah yeah three Welcome
0: thumbs to- down oh, God. three thumbs down <laughs> <laughs> just awful i can't even i don't even i'm oh god yeah so anyway um i think that's it boys right
2: That's it. Man. So you, didn't I want, got today.
0: you didn't want to hear the story about me being banned did you no not at all i have only i fucking in the
1: dark for like a, a week now sorry
0: man all right so without without naming uh restaurants i guess and with just getting to the point so i went up to maine um for the, for the weekend, and I ended up somehow, luckily, telling a restaurant manager to go fuck himself, um, and I guess I'm banned from for life from the restaurant. Um, uh, so- two, two quick things. <laughs> Dude, restaurants have been open in Maine for like three
1: days. How did you already get banned from one? And
0: Ain't two, my- how did it come to you telling a fucking manager to fuck off? Uh, well, I I think the assumption was because I was younger and the crowd that was there was older. First of all, I made the mistake of going to an Italian place on the fucking coast when you can get seafood. So that's my fault right out of the gate. Uh, (laughs) secondly, it seemed like it was a classy place. I thought that I was dressed fine, but apparently not. When I get to the door, the hostess was fine, you know, no problem at all go in, sit down and immediately the waitress came over like this kind of weird swanky attitude. Um, and I think it's because we took our, I, I had my mask off and when I sat at the table and on their, on their uh, menus, I guess it says like, you need to keep your mask on until you get a drink and then you can take it off and do whatever you want. But until that drink comes, you so I'm like, these all these fucking rules are stupid. So I was like, well, I'm not going to wear my mask. And I think from that point, she she was just a bitch about it. So she kind of gave me attitude. Um, And then then she was just like, yeah, I I was like, oh, can I get a beer? Then she's like, let me see your ID. Saw that I was out of state. Asked me where I was staying, uh, which I thought was weird. And then right after that, decided that she wasn't going to serve me. And then was like, I'll be right back. And like stormed off, then came back and was just like, are you going to get food? And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting a drink since I never got that question answered. So I did. And I, and I ended up ordering food. Um, and then after that, I, I kind of just said, like, fuck this. I just told her to package it up and gave her zero tip. And then I asked her while I was signing my check, I said, can I ask you why you asked me where I'm staying and why you wouldn't serve me alcohol? I'm like, if, if I did anything wrong, I'd like to know about it. I'm like, because you guys didn't pick me out or anything. And she's like, I don't have to answer any of these questions. I was like, Oh, that's funny. You get to ask questions and I don't. So then the restaurant manager came over, this big fat fucking fuck. Not even gonna. <laughs> and he's just like, Oh, you know, he's he was sitting across the room watching. And um, by the way, there's literally three tables in this whole place. The rest of it was like looked like a ballroom, like it was empty in the middle, and then there were tables scattered out through. It, it was just an odd odd setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, look, I've been to me, we, we, we've been up and we've been to Maine a bunch in the last couple months. Restaurants have been open for a long time. Um, it's just that it, whatever, some places are, are like worse than others with how they want to handle the pandemic. So, um, this place was just atrocious. And then, and, and so there was only three tables. So I'm like, well, I couldn't have been, couldn't have been louder or anything because I'm literally sitting at this table for, I don't know, half hour and nobody said a word to us. So, um, So anyway, yeah, after that whole scene, he comes over and starts melting off of me. So I just stood up and I just told him to go fuck himself and walked out. And he's like, you're banned. You're banned from here. You're banned from this place that we own. You're banned from that place. And I said, yeah, whatever, dude. (laughs) Fuck off. Jesus. Yeah, it was ugly. I mean, I've never had such a poor experience um, ever. And I mean, you guys know, I mean, look, we've been... We know how to do this as professionals, and uh, we've been to places, you know, completely cocked and have been comp- and fine. I've never been taken. I've never been told to leave or anything. So, I mean, he banned me because I told him to go fuck himself. I just don't want to listen to him flapping his gums. So, that's how it ended. Yeah, Pretty, it was interesting. That's sick, Kevin. So that's all you got to do. Yeah, a- I mean, you know, and and a nice big fat zero tip was great too. She was livid. <laughs> And
2: on a quick note, yesterday I, I got this very quick story. This I go to uh, pick up some food. I'm doing Uber Eats. I go to this pizza shop, and this kid's in there. He just bought a slice of pizza. I heard him. He like, "Oh, how much for a drink?" And he only had like a dollar ten. It was like a dollar thirty five. So he was quarter short. So I'm like, "Hey, dude, yeah, I got a quarter." So I gave him the quarter. He goes over. He pays for it. Aside from saying thank you, the first thing this dude says to me is like, "Me and my friend sucked each other's dicks." <laughs> and I said, "Excuse me?" <laughs> And he's like, not that I'm gay or anything. I, we just wanted to come, dude. We just wanted to come. And then he kept repeating himself. And this lady, this poor lady,'s got to be like in her 50s or 60s. And she can hear everything he's saying. She's just looking at me, terrified. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like giving her the eyes because we have masks on and shit. But I don't know. It was the most random thing this dude wanted. Just had to tell somebody. Him and his friend sucked each other's dicks. All right. You, know? you win. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You win. That, that story. story wins. It, Marco, what?
1: No, no, what's... yours
2: is better because I, lo- I love you. but <laughs> well,
1: Marco, tell that. him the best part. That it, it wasn't a pizza shop. It was you. It, was, it wasn't a kid at pizza shop. <laughs> it was me. So, wait, this, was, was he me. like. Was he. Um... Jesus, this is twice oh, now. He was, I have to... was he like spe- he was all special?
2: He, oh. No, no, he was all fucked up on drugs. You could tell even when he walked over, I could see him kind of stumbling. And then when he left, because he took it to go. The owner said, live, like a year or two ago, he told me that he came in with like a stolen leaf blower from like Home Depot or something. He was trying to sell it for like twenty bucks. Oh jeez. you know he's, he's just always randomly coming in, but whatever. I, I just thought it was weird because I, I was there for ten, like literally a minute, and this happens. This guy just tells me that. I'm like,
0: did he take I'm his false like, teeth out? At you.
2: No, he was a young, dude, man, young. And I told him, I said, I don't need to hear it, dude. And I told him to kind of step off, but, but it was just like crazy man it was nuts i never had a dude tell me that before
1: think of it this way you have a 25 cent deposit towards a bj somewhere
2: (laughs) i guess so and there you
1: go marco do you all right one one more now my turn for a, a dumb more weird story marco do you remember in heavy montreal when we used to take the subway to um to get to wherever the venue was on like the island and yeah, you'd, have like to,
2: one stop, yeah.
1: you'd have to walk past like this big park and i used to call it, like the the park of heavenly delights like in the da vinci code where it's just junkies it's like a safe haven for junkies yeah. and prostitutes
2: yeah it was literally in the, the 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 entrance to the subway was literally at the park yeah right
1: right so there was no avoiding it and this this one woman right no teeth you could tell she was a fucking just a, a mess a junkie everything else and i god bless her but you know, I, she kept like talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm like, I got my girlfriend with me right here. I'm like I'm like, I'm gonna give you five bucks as a down payment and like I'll be back. And she's like, Oh, okay. She's fucking smiling at me and I've never ran so fast back to the fucking hotel and then I think every time we'd go back, I would go like around the fucking park just to avoid that little I'd come around the backside and go down, like so somewhere in Canada I have a five dollar down payment. <laughs>
2: I actually remember that. I remember that
0: situation.
1: Yeah. I wonder if there's like escrow and shit on that, like interest. You know, what's five bucks Canadian,
0: you know, interest over? There's there's interest on it anyway, right? So you probably got like an $8 (laughs) toonie.
1: I'll take that. That's what she wanted to give me, an eight. An eight dollar toonie. It was funny. I asked her, and she smiled at me, and I'm like, "I right, won't. Well, I'll start with five bucks." She probably would have. She probably have me for a, for a fucking toonie. You know what I mean? It was. I felt bad for, and I'm just like, "Hey, you know what? Take this, and I'll be back." And of course, fuck that.
2: Yeah, she would have done it for a freaking container of cream cheese, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's so. another story for another day. But anyway, guys. All right. uh,
0: this is yeah, we went uh went over
2: an hour because we started telling our silly stories.
0: That's all right. Well, this is Kev saying, when you're on the coast, get seafood, not Italian.
2: <laughs> hey <laughs> one more time, get your vomit bags, bro. Marco.
1: <laughs> and uh hey, look for uh vintage burn cryptocurrency coming this summer.
0: <laughs> an NFT. Oh man, we really should do an NFT. That would be sick. <laughs> First <laughs> podcast to do an NFT sold for five million dollars. Yeah. Man, imagine how many tunies I could buy. Get your moon bags. All right, kids. Have All right, terrific. Right, night. All right, kiddies. Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye.
2: Bye.
1: Hello. Hello. (laughs) I got got my first quiet. I got my first COVID shot. How do I sound?